Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be commenting on local news as well. It is February the 23rd. And on this day in 1954, a group of children from Arsenal Elementary School in Pittsburgh received the first injections of a new polio vaccine developed by Dr. Jonas Salk. Thanks to the vaccine, by the 21st century, polio cases were reduced by 99% worldwide. Though not as devastating as the plague or influenza, poliomyelitis was a highly contagious disease that emerged uh, terrifying outbreaks and uh, seemed impossible to stop. Attacking the nerve cells and sometimes the central nervous system, polio caused muscle deterioration, paralysis, and even death. Even as medical vastly improved, uh, medicine improved in the first half of the 20th century, the world, Western world, polio still struck, affecting mostly children, but sometimes adults as well. Of course, the most famous of the attacks against uh, was against President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, then a young politician, the disease spread quickly, leaving his legs permanently paralyzed. In the late 1940s, the March of Dimes, a grassroots organization found, founded by President Roosevelt's help to find a way to defend against polio, enlisted Dr. Jonas Salk, head of the virus uh, research lab in the University of Pittsburgh. Salk found the polio, polio had as many as 125 strains of three basic types, and that an effective vaccine needed to combat all three by growing samples of the polio virus and then deactivating or killing them by adding a chemical called formulin. Salk developed his vaccine, which was uh, able to immunize, immunize without affecting or infecting the patient. <clears throat> After mass inoculations began in 1954, everyone marveled at the high success rate, some 60 to 70 percent, until the vaccine caused a sudden outbreak of some 200 cases. After it was determined the case was all caused by one faulty batch of the vaccine, production standards were improved, and by August 1955, some 4 million shots had been given. Cases of polio in the United States dropped from 14,647 in 55 to 5,894 in 56. And by 1959, some 90 uh, other countries were using Salk's vaccine. A later version of the polio vaccine developed by Albert Sabin uh, used a weakened form of the vi live virus and was swallowed instead of injected. It was licensed in 1962 and soon became more popular than Salk's vaccine, as it was cheaper and made and easier for people to take. There's still no cure for polio once it's been contracted, but the use of vaccines has virtually eliminated polio in the United States and around the world. According to the World Health Organization, polio cases have been reduced by 99%, and survives only among the world's poorest and most marginalized communities. Uh, there are, of course, with all medications, some sort of side effects. 
I just encourage you, if you have an interest, to read uh, Dr. Mary's Monkeys, a very interesting story in Louisiana. And it uh, has to do with developing these vaccines uh, that were developed out of monkey tissue. The question is, did it have any adverse effects? Uh, there are suggestions that perhaps uh, th- there's the reason for the increase in the amount of cancer among middle-aged people has something to do with the vaccine. Interesting. Dr. Mary's Monkey is the name of the book. Former President Donald Trump visited East Palestine on Wednesday, where he delivered truckloads of bottled water following a train derailment. Earlier this month, that left the small town in disarray. President Trump is meeting with the citizens of East Palestine, and he'll never forget them and uh, what they're going through. Contrast that with Biden and the federal government, who have failed uh, them from the very beginning. That, according to Trump's spokesperson, uh, John Rourke, the CEO of Blue Line Moving, which transported the pallets of water to East Palestine, uh, said that the company moved 13 pallets of water, which comes to over 14,000 bottles of this, uh, water for the small town. Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg, stay away. The real president is here taking care of American citizens, making sure that those Ukrainian pensions are taken care of, Rourke told uh, Bart Breitbart. Both President Joe Biden and the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, have yet to visit East Palestine, despite the train disaster happening nearly three weeks ago. On February the 3rd, a train operated by Norfolk Southern was carrying chemicals, including vinyl chloride, a highly volatile colorless gas, which is uh, when it derailed, spilling the chemicals and sparking a fire which set billowing smoke into the sky. Cleanup crews ended by igniting five train cars to get rid of toxic chemicals in the controlled environment, which created a menacing plume of thick smoke that resembled a mushroom cloud. Images of the controlled detonation were later circulated on social media, sparking concerns around the nation. The incident resulted in about half of the town's population being ordered to evacuate. While residents have since been told they are allowed to return to their homes, many are still concerned and want answers, but Biden and Buttigieg are nowhere to be found. Who would trust the government under these circumstances anyhow? I mean, they didn't show up. Uh, uh, very poor communications. And uh, if the, if the uh, government said, hey, go ahead and drink some water, it's safe, I would have questions, wouldn't you? Definitely. More GOP lawmakers are calling for the Transportation Secretary Buttigieg to resign, with a House Republican from Ohio suggesting the GOP-led chamber should proceed with impeachment if he doesn't step down. Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio wrote to President Biden about Buttigieg's job performance in light of the February 3rd toxin train derailment in East Palestine. He argued that Buttigieg has been absent on the job and it's become a pattern. Amidst an impending uh, possible rail strike last year, he left the country to vacation in in Portugal. Uh, Near misses in commercial aviation, as well as recent system failures, include one of the that shut down air travel in Florida in January, indicate the serious and persistent problems across the Department of Transportation are not being sufficiently remedied. I do not have confidence that Secretary Buttigieg is capable of keeping American people safe. Buttigieg told reporters on Monday he plans to visit East Palestine when the uh, Palestine when the time is right, whatever that means. Buttigieg also addressed Rubio's letter to Biden. I can't help but notice he said that the last time this agency heard from him on rail regulation was his signature being on a letter that was pretty obviously drafted by industry, calling on us to weaken our practices around tra- train inspection. 
On Tuesday, Ruby responded to Buttigieg's criticism. First, Buttigieg was missing in action on derailment, he said, and then he lies to media claiming my 2021 letter calling for more track inspections was a letter calling for deregulation. He is an incompetent who is focused solely on his fantasies about his political future and needs to be fired, uh, said Marco Rubio. Ruby isn't the only lawmaker calling for Buttigieg to resign. Uh, he has negligent mishandling of numerous transportation disasters and alleged misuse of government resources deem him unfit, said Tennessee GOP Representative John Rose. At the state level in Ohio, lawmakers include GOP State Representative Michael Rooley, want Buttigieg to resign too. The people in East Palestine have their had their water, air, and soil poisoned. Yeah, he wrote on Twitter, Pete Buttigieg's only response was to spin and say it was no, wasn't a big deal. He's not doing his job. He needs to resign now. Some Democrat lawmakers are also seeking answers from Buttigieg. We need congressional inquiry and uh, direct action from uh, Buttigieg to address this tragedy that from uh, Elon Omar. Uh, Ohio Republican Representative Warren Davidson uh, went further and said that the House should proceed with impeachment if Buttigieg does not depart voluntarily. I do hope he does resign, and if he doesn't, you know, there's a long line of a list of impeachment criteria, he said, but we should start the process. Buttigieg has referred to his delayed in, in uh, addressing the Howard Tryon accident as a lesson learned. I'm sure it is. He called for changes to the rail safety regulation as news of another train derailment in Gothenburg. Nebraska uh, uh, spread on Tuesday morning. So he's uh, he certainly had a number of things on his plate. There's no question about that. But his performance on the job has just been non-existent and a lot of rhetoric and uh, no action. Uh, very disappointing. Well, the Department of Justice has charged eight more pro-life activists with violating the freedom of access to clinic entrances uh, that's the FACE Act. This is unbelievable. The latest charges stem from a August 2020 incident where, now this goes back to 2020, where uh, pro-life activists uh, Calvin Zestro, Chester Gallagher, Heather Idoni, uh, Caroline Davis, Joel Curry, Justin Phillips, even Ertl, and Eva Zastro allegedly blocked the entrance to a Sterling Heights, Michigan abortion clinic. These eight individuals blocked the door, so the abortion clinic on August the 27th, uh, according to the DOJ release, which also states that Gallagher advertised their intentions on social media, and he and uh, Curry live-streamed the blockade, and another uncharged co-conspirator recorded the incident while saying that it, they were going to stand in front of the door and interpose. Can you imagine that? This is how we're spending our resources from uh, the Department of Justice and the FBI. Makes absolutely no sense. I wonder if they were singing hymns when they arrested them. Well, uh, Kim Gardner may be the most radical Soros-funded circuit attorney in the nation today. Of course, one of her largest funders is George Soros in both of her elections. Kim Gardner is also intolerable that... Uh, is so intolerable that two dozen attorneys and more than one-third of trial attorneys and lawyers left the office when she took office in uh, 2017, and this is a Democrat-dominated office. In August 2018, Kim Gardner announced her attorneys will no longer accept cases from 28 different St. Louis police officers. Can you believe that? Gardner called it 
her exclusion list because they were racist. Unbelievable. Gardner did not tell the officers what they did to get on the list, but they were being censored. In 2019, Gardner refused to charge a drug dealer who was found with 1,000 opiate pills and $30,000 in cash because she didn't like the cop involved. And Gardner refused to charge the killer of a 17-year-old child despite a suspect's confession in 2019. Boy, it just makes your blood boil, doesn't it? Gardner lied about the uh, Governor Eric Grayton's case, uh, committed over 60 acts of misconduct in the case, and got away with it. And in 2020, Carter uh, uh, dropped the case against the suspect who shot another man in a traffic dispute in broad daylight. In 2020, Kim uh, Gardner also was called caught on video lying about being harassed during a traffic stop. Also in 2020, Kim Gardner released all of the rioters and looters from jail without charges in the violent St. Louis Black Lives Matter riots. But the latest incident last week was the last straw. Kim Gardner refused to put a man charged with hitting uh, Janie Edmondson back in jail, even though he violated the conditions of his bond more than 50 times. The repeat offender went on to hit a Tennessee teenage volleyball player walking in St. Louis City last week, and the young girl lost both of her legs after she was pinned in another vi- against another vehicle. The driver never should have been on the street, and Missourians are furious, as well they should be. Kim Gardner. I tell you what George Soros is doing to the society, it's just absolutely un, uh, unacceptable. Somehow, some way, uh, we should be uh, making sure that we understand what's happening with those that he's nominating for election and supporting financially and also make sure they don't get elected. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Are you planning on traveling abroad? Well, visit internationalhealthplans.com. Most health insurance doesn't cover international travel. You want to be able to travel with confidence when you're abroad. Uh, So go to internationalhealthplans.com to find out more. Internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have this Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots uh, uh, coalition of folks all all across Florida. Uh, we're now over 250,000 strong, uh, grown significantly from last year. And we focus on K-12 through education. Um, to us, that means fighting for uh, school choice uh, we're, and getting rid of the indoctrination that's in our schools in many different ways, but particularly the, the pornography, um, the... Uh, LGBTQ um, uh, dysphoria that's being uh, introduced to, uh, to our young kids. And also now we're involved in f- um, fighting uh, the, uh, the the adoption of social studies textbooks <coughs> that are full of, uh, full of bias. So those are the, some of the things we get involved with, Bob. Yeah, and uh, currently I understand you're in Tallahassee this week to uh, t- take a look at some legislation. Yeah, another fun trip to Tallahassee. This is uh, my sixth just this year so far. Wow. Um, that This is the last committee week before session starts on March 7th. And so uh, there, there were a couple things that happened this week that your listeners, uh, I think, w- w- would be interested in. Um, they, uh, House Bill 1, uh, which means it's the Speaker's number one uh, priority, is an education savings account where the money follows the child. Mm-hmm. And we are huge supporters of that concept, but as you've probably heard me say and remember me saying, the devil's always in the details. Yeah. And so we've been fighting to get the, some of the uh, aspects of that bill that take away the uh, educational freedom, particularly of the homeschool market. And we're making some progress. Uh, without getting into too much detail, um, they've uh, they've modified the the. the uh, what's called the Choice Navigator program. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was an effort where the um, step up uh, who administers the program would have uh, provided a mandatory uh, Choice Navigator to work with homeschool per- parents 
to quote unquote help them decide what the best choices were for their children. Uh, homeschool community reacted very negative to that, and we agreed. Yeah. Uh, so that's been changed. It's now optional. Uh, we're still fighting to to maintain the current testing capabilities in the homeschool community. And again, not to get into too much detail, but today as a homeschooler, you can either take a state test or do your own portfolio where uh, you just uh, establish and, and maintain a portfolio of what you're teaching your child. Um, this bill would take that portfolio aspect away and require all of um, folks who take the uh, ESA money to to do a mandatory government testing. So we're still fighting that aspect. Yeah, I would, I would hope though, and win against that. That it's, it makes no sense. If you're going to provide school choice, you should pro provide school choice, not have the same tentacles in uh, enveloping these kids, uh, irrespective of uh, of homeschooling. Right, and we certainly agree. Well, the argument from the government is, you know, it's 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 uh, uh, we're stewards of uh, tax money. It's our money. Um, we we need accountability, and so uh, since as good stewards, we need to require that these homeschool parents are doing what we want. Uh -huh. So it, it, that's just a, in my view, a, a, maybe a little bit harsh, but not so much. It's a, just a government mentality that. Uh, you know, government's here, and they're just here to help. That's of course. So, <laughs> uh, Keith, uh, anything else hanging fire than this last week of the uh, committee weeks? Yeah, there was something that, that your listeners, uh, I, I urge them to go to the myfloridahouse.gov and go to the Human Health Services uh, um, Committee. Uh, uh, Chair Randy Fine held a, a, a panel discussion on Tuesday uh, on the whole tra uh, trans gender dysphoria concept and it was very informational they had five doctors and a couple of uh laypersons. uh i just can't recommend it enough but what came out and what's really clear is that the the legislature is going to be releasing a bill here shortly uh that uh, you know effectively uh will stop uh, doctors in florida from uh, disfiguring our children yeah i thought that was already a fait accompli but apparently not huh well uh, the governor has expressed and i think there's an executive order but this is putting it into statute ah so um so the, i mean that that's uh, that's what i believe is going on here is uh, it's just to establish and it's really uh going to be holding doctors feet to the fire that they could potentially lose their license if they get involved in any of this and of course the big challenge is you know, all of the, the, the medical services have been so indoctrinated themselves yeah. uh, to, uh, to the, 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 you know, this, this whole concept being, um, you know, uh, what's required um, as a normal um, protocol, which is not true, but that's, the, that's what they've been saying. And so, um, it, 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 you know, how do you re it's kind of the same issue we have with teachers in critical race theory. Right? Yeah. How do you re-educate all those people that have been indoctrinated for so many years? And and at the end of the day, it's just putting in some really strong rules with harsh punishments for those who violate. Absolutely. And of course, uh, I, I've heard that, uh, for example, medical uh, schools have uh, are concerned about their uh, accreditation. And so the consequence is, and they're supposed to be teaching this nonsense. And if they don't, they could lose their accreditation. So that they're they're using that kind of force against uh, these uh, medical institutions. It's it's really a shame. 
Yeah. Well, uh, I urge your, your listeners to go on myfloridahouse.gov, uh, find the Health and Human Services Committee, uh, listen to that, and uh, and then stay tuned because there will be uh, very shortly, I think, a, a really strong bill uh, that deals with this whole issue as the governor's intended through his executive order. So, Thank you for that, Keith. Before I let you go, any update on your event coming up in March? Well, it's uh, two weeks away, uh, actually a day less than two weeks away. It's on Wednesday, uh, March 8th. Uh, we still have some tickets available, and there's still sponsorships available. But uh, it's going to be at the Ritz-Carlton and uh, with uh, Newt Gingrich. Uh, we're excited. Uh, you know, he's really a big supporter of, of what we're doing on education. In fact, uh, he and his wife, uh, particularly his wife, have written some books actually for children that are really good. So mm-hmm. we're excited to have him, and uh, we encourage uh, you know all of your listeners to buy a ticket. Uh, it is at the Ritz, so they will be a, a little bit pricey for some, but dig deep, and it's for a good cause, our cause, to help continue to fight for our children. Absolutely. GoFLCA.com is the website. GoFLCA.com. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, take care, Bob, and you and your listeners have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Michael uh, Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. So uh, tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1977. And we are a consistent voice for the principles of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. That means we're not Republican, we're not Democratic, we are not conservative, we're not uh, left-leaning. We are consistently in... Uh, advocating, letting you make the decisions about how to run your life, uh, uh, and relegating government to its only legitimate role, which is to uh, protect your life, your liberty, and your property from force and fraud. Absolutely. Uh, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, uh, Michael, big uh, brouhaha about Social Security and Medicare, and uh, right now the co commitment is that we're not going to touch Medicare, we're not going to touch uh, uh, Social Security, but these programs are in trouble, aren't they? They are. The federal government is running enormous deficits. The uh, debt-to-GDP ratio is, uh, is at uh, a historic high, Yeah, and the... Um, especially, you know, for peacetime. And uh, there's an old adage, which is, if something cannot go on forever, eventually it must stop. Congress can't keep spending more money than it's taking in. Eventually, investors will lose faith in the federal government's ability to pay back all of its debt. Uh, and um, hopefully it doesn't get to that. Hopefully Congress finds religion and decides that it has to um, cut spending, uh, but you're not going to balance the budget. You're not going to restrain federal spending without restraining uh, three of the biggest ticket items on the federal budget, which are Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Yeah, And a lot of uh, Americans are dependent on those programs right now, but they don't need to be that dependent. We can provide people um, an adequate standard of living without um, without these programs uh, because uh, these programs are incredibly wasteful. They drive up the cost of medical care and make themselves seem necessary. Um, and, uh, and, and so they, they require reform. And this is what brings us to uh, Florida's Senator Rick Scott and the hot water in which he finds himself because he suggested sunsetting every federal program every five years so the Congress would have to reauthorize, would have to uh, uh, pass legislation creating uh, uh, those programs again, or recreating those programs, uh, reauthorizing them in order for them to keep, uh, keep chugging along. Yeah. And originally he, he included Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security, and that's what's gotten him in. So such hot water. Yeah. So uh, he said it's off limits for discussion with regard to the debt ceiling. However, I mean, uh, qu quite frankly, it seems to me, wouldn't, uh, couldn't we fix Medicare for a decade simply by increasing the retirement age to, for example, 68? Uh, we could fix it for some time. Yeah. Uh, that would reduce revenue, that would reduce spending on the Medicare program. But remember, 
that Medicare exists for people who lose their employer-sponsored coverage, you know, because Congress penalizes people unless they enroll in a type of coverage that disappears when they retire. Yeah. And so uh, a lot of retirees might lose their coverage when they, when they retire, and instead of going on Medicare, they might go into Obamacare's exchanges and receive heavily subsidized coverage there. So now, thanks to Obamacare, even raising the retirement age won't save that much money. Wow. So what, what can Congress do here? Well, the, uh, first of all, I think that there, uh, when it comes to sunsetting, these programs, Congress absolutely should do that. And there's an interesting contradiction between uh, Medicare supporters saying that Medicare is an incredibly popular program. Oh, but we can't sunset it every five years because Medicare would disappear. Well, which is it? Yeah. Is it incredibly popular? Because if it is, Congress will just reauthorize it. Right. Uh, I think they, they fear that the, there are problems with the Medicare program, that uh, sunsetting it would cause people to focus on those problems and even try to solve them. I think if Congress, when Congress revisits Medicare, what it needs to do is reform it along the lines of Social Security, which is to say, instead of giving people a government-defined package of benefits, give them money. Give them the money that Medicare would have spent on their behalf. And what you'll see is once people uh, realize, hey, this is the amount of money I'm getting from the federal government for my, for my medical care, it would be an average of $12,000 per year, and Congress would give more to people who are sicker, less to people who are healthy, more to people who have low incomes, less to people who have higher incomes. Uh, but once Congress gives people the money, they will spend that money much more wisely than they, are, than they do when it's the government's money uh, that they're spending. No question. I mean, to, to go out and be able to buy a... a uh, health savings account with the uh, catastrophic care type of policy it could be a lot less expensive. And in fact, if you stayed healthy, uh, you know, you'd end up accumulating money in your account uh, for a rainy day, number one. And number two, uh, you'd reduce your monthly expenses dramatically as a consequence. And not only that, but when people are spending their own money yeah. when, on health insurance and medical care, mm-hmm. which is to say when they get to keep the savings, What's going to happen is that's going to change their behavior. We've seen this in study after study where uh, when consumers get to see the savings, they demand price information from their providers. They get the price information because that changes the provider's behavior when the consumers change theirs. And they force providers uh, uh, to compete on the basis of price and prices fall. And I'm telling you, Bob, if you want to provide health care to the vulnerable, this is the most important thing that we can do, which is to drive healthcare prices down. And when you make uh, consumers price conscious, they do that for you. Absolutely. So if you give Medicare enrollees that money, you will have 50, 60 million people who are going to uh, uh, engage in price shopping and drive those prices down so that Medicare, uh, all of this Medicare spending, which will hit a trillion dollars this year or next year, is going to seem less necessary because medical care is going to be less expensive, and Congress will be able to restrain Medicare spending while still providing people 
Medicare enrollees the same access to care they have now. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be political suicide to take this up right now. I, I fear, again, having seen Grandma being pushed off a cliff, <laughs> unfortunately not dealing with reality and not dealing with facts. Michael Canningen, Director of Health Policy Study at the Cato Institute. Great ideas. I really appreciate your coming on the show and sharing them. Again, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Anytime, Bob. Take care. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. times they're changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional, somber, formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home. Each of issues unique. We're all made up of little details that makes us different and irreplaceable. At Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens, there are many details that set them apart, differences you'll find nowhere else. Hodges Funeral Home at Memorial Gardens offers flexible chapel and event space, a modern funeral home, a celebration of life center, cremation options, and a 100% service guarantee. Call Hodges Funeral Home at Naples Memorial Gardens at 239-597-3101. That's 239-597-3101. Or visit the website, DignityMemorial.com. That's www.DignityMemorial.com. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Naples, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist through society's scope and sphere of influence the government, and some states do, I guess. Well, we're still working at it, but I appreciate your efforts. <laughs> so, hey, you wrote a piece called the FTC, that's, of course, the Federal Trade Commission, is hyperactive in attempting to time travel. What an interesting concept. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, I wrote, I wrote that last week, and it, it, it was interesting. I wrote it on t- and published it on Tuesday morning, 
and it's of course, as you said, about the Federal Trade Commission and how crazy it's being under Lena Khan is is the chairman appointed by Biden. And as I was writing and publishing it in the Wall Street Journal, Republican FTC Commissioner uh, Christina Wilson was publishing her resignation from the commission yeah. in the Wall Street Journal. So she quit the gig. She said, this place is so crazy now, under Lena Khan, I'm not going to stick around for this. And um, she said, I, yes, I can say, you know, I'm voting no on all this stuff, but even my presence here lends lend, lend some, you know, auth- you know some, some impromptor that I don't want I don't want my impromptu let to this craziness, even as I sit here and vote no. I don't want to. I don't want any part of it. Wow, that's pretty courageous. She got out. And, uh, pardon me. That's pretty courageous. Well, yeah, yeah, um, it is. And so, no, it's, it's not that. I mean, you know, she'll go get a job for ten times the money right. <laughs> on 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 K Street. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's very big of her to do this, and the reason, you know. W- I've just started really looking at the FTC. The FCC, uh, you know, we've written about the 2-to-2 the two two tie, and the, the best part about a 2-to-2 two two tie is the FCC can do all the stuff it's supposed to do. It just can't do any of the radical stuff it wants to do under a Biden administration with a 3-to-2 majority. Right. Um, the, the FTC, I mean, I, I, wrote a, I wrote a piece where I said the uh, this week where I said the the FCC's one Senate vote away from being as crazy as the FTC, because if the Senate confirms Gigi Stone, she's crazy. She's a nice lady, I know her, but she's crazy. Yeah. Uh, as the fifth commissioner at the FCC, then they're going to be as crazy as the FTC is being. Um, and so the FTC has, you know, it was interesting. I just started delving into the FTC a little more, and it's funny. Christina Wilson, in her piece in the Wall Street Journal, in her resignation piece, says, ever since Lena Khan was appointed in 2021, uh, things have rapidly de- declined at the commission. And she said, I'm trying to get it, dive in. I, she said, I spent my time trying to dive into exactly all the things Lena Khan is doing. And it, she, Lena Khan in addition to being incredibly radical and incredibly hyperactive, is being anti-transparent. She's hiding everything she's doing. And I just thought it was interesting. I was like, well, gee, if if I'm trying from the outside, I mean, if Christina Wilson's in the commission and doesn't know what the heck is going on, you know, it's, it's pretty hard for anyone else outside the commission to figure out what's going on. Right. So it's just, it's, it's just a, it's just a very, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting moment. It was a telling moment in the bureaucracy of, the, uh, of DC that this woman has decided to say, "Screw it, I'm out of here," uh, because uh, it's just so crazy and so just everything antithetical to a you know a constitutional republic. It's hyperactive. There's no the things she's doing are, are not greenlit by Congress, which everything the commission is supposed to it wants to do has to first be, it has to be expressly given the power by legislation. None of the stuff she's doing has been. Um, and, of course, because she knows she's not supposed to be doing it, she's obfuscating and covering up what she's doing. 
That's an amazing story. I, I must say, it's, I've never heard of this before. I've never heard of somebody who's been approved by the Senate uh, and uh, serving in that position and resigning because they're just the work is too dysfunctional. I've never heard anybody be that critical. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Because, you, know, you, you know, a great guy uh, named Ajit Pai, who's now in, you know, in private practice as a lawyer, he was a commissioner um, on the Federal Communications Commission under Obama, and he and he stayed on, and he voted no on all the craziness, and and was a very vocal opponent of it. But he's you know, and I don't blame. Look, I, I respect both uh, paths that each chose, um, and then you know, Ajit Ajit Pai stayed on and was a very vocal opponent. And then he became chairman. He was he was Donald Trump's chairman during Donald Trump's administration. Um, I understand what he was doing. He wanted to stay and fight and highlight as best he could from inside what was going on. And I listen, I also understand Christina Wilson's decision to say, you know, even though I'm voting no, I'm here. And, you know, this, this is crazy and I don't want any part of it at all. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think any less of a G Pie for staying. I don't think of any less of, of Christina Wilson for going. I think it's too principled, less government types doing choosing different ways in in trying to advance their you know policy objectives and and uh, I think you know again it's it's just DC I, what it, the, the common thread of course is the DC agencies are out of control and the diminishing number of people like us who want that to stop um, are are trying their best in in you know they're they're bailing water with thimbles in the sinking ship. Yeah. You know, it concerns me uh, as I've talked to friends who've, they're just giving up. They're just saying, you know, this is the new normal that we might as well get used to it. The government's corrupt. Can't. Wait a minute. I'm one of those friends, Bob. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in Belize, remember? Yes, I um, do. Uh, yeah. Um, in fact, I'll break a little news with you. Um, I mean, it's not finalized yet, but I had a preliminary conversation with a literary agent um, that I've known for, he wanted me to write a book 11 years ago, and he didn't quite grasp the concept that I said in February of 2020, of 2012, that the next big government power grab would be our digital data. And that's a pretty good call for 2012, if I do so myself. Absolutely. And when I wrote the proposal... He said, why are all these private companies in the book? Why are Google and Facebook and all these companies? I said, because they're the ones stealing the data. The government's not competent enough to do it. So anyway, I, I, I spoke to him on Monday, and I got a preliminary green light. to I'm going to write a, uh, a uh, proposal for a book, X-IT, Exit Patriots. A Western civilization suicide doesn't have to be yours. Wow. So, yeah. So I, I'm going to talk about all the reasons why I left and why I think other people who want less government shouldn't stick around for the for the implosion that's coming. Yes. It's already underway. So interesting. So, yeah, I'm a total cynic. So, yeah, I'm one of those people, Bob. Absolutely. Seton Miley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit lessgovernment.org. Some great writing. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. 
All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, I, everyday I specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare your elected officials to win in the legislature. And I hope you check out the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, always a pleasure on a Thursday morning, and uh, uh, how's life within the Hardy family? Every, everything is good, and I tell you, I look at the at the weather across the country. It's just so grateful to be here on the Paradise Coast. <laughs> yeah, I think most people that are here would be after watching uh, the shellacking they're getting there in uh, Michigan and Minnesota and all over, and even all the way out on the West Coast, they said that, that Golden Gate... Uh, supposed to have blizzard-like conditions today um, or last night. I mean, un- it's kind of unheard of, you we, know? Well, you know, we, we uh, lived in Minnesota for two years, and uh, they said it was the worst storm ever in Minnesota. That's hard to believe because we saw some real, real amazing weather in, in Minnesota during that, that two-year period. Yeah, so that just tells you how bad it is. Exactly. You know? But... Uh, so here in uh, sunny Naples, um, the uh, and, and and this just baffles me, Bob. Um, the council agreed. Remember, they were they were debating the last time we spoke on um, the community uh, of 
of advising and letting the community know exactly what they were planning on doing uh, with some community meetings. Um, and it all has to do with rebuilding of homes and lots and lot right. sizes and everything else. So they decided at the last meeting, because they had a lot of people turn up with their consult, their consultant, um, decided, well, we, 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 the mayor decided, well, we need to have some more meetings and really involve the community and let them, let them uh, weigh in on this and let explain what they're doing. And so that, you know, sounded really good. And she, she sounded very sincere that this is what she wanted to do and they were going to set the meetings. And so everybody was relatively happy. And so... Next thing you find out is that they set the meetings okay. They set two meetings with a possible third meeting. But what they did was, they, this was two weeks from when they, when they suggested this, they set up the meetings, one at night at 5.30, huh. and the next one the next morning. And maybe a third meeting is necessary. Now, i got to tell you that in, in all my years of, of, of politics, okay, that's kind of unheard of. Yep. If you want to get get the community involved, then they said, "Well, we're going to have it on live stream, and we're going to have it where they can people can call in and do whatever." But I, I have never ever set meetings like that. You want to space them apart. I think council, for whatever their reason, and and Mr. Mc, uh, Vice Mayor McCabe is is kind of ringleading this. Um, they want to rush this thing through. They want to shotgun it through without giving the architects um, and the builders um, in, in our community and county a chance to weigh in on the effect that it's going to have on people's properties, and especially we're talking about price-wise. Right. If they, uh, if they start messing around with this and they start reducing uh, what they can do after the, after the hurricane and then rebuilding. And so the meeting should have been spaced out, like you have a meeting and you get some input and... Um, you go to work on it with a consultant, and then you schedule another meeting a month or, or maybe five weeks down the road. They, I don't think they want it. They don't want to see the, the people leave for the, when the season's over, which is, what, a month and a half away? Exactly. Um, and so they're trying to get and, – and, and the community doesn't rush. I mean, you know you're not going to get people just jumping right in and, and weighing in until they see what's going on. So I can't tell you any more than that that the first meeting, I think, is coming up next next week, either next Monday or the Monday after, and then they, and um, I, I think it's what, March 6th? Um, yeah, it is. It's March 6th, and then um, the next day, the next one would be like the day after. Um, and then, then if necessary, they'd have another one. So, well, so I, they're going to do whatever, the bottom line, Bob, is they're going to do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah, so I just generally appreciate you paying attention to all this. In my mind, in the absence of other information, to me, what makes sense is telling people, look, we've gone through a lot within. Uh, everybody should have the right to rebuild their home exactly the way it was. Uh, and we're going to be, we're going to certainly loosen the uh, the process for getting permits and so forth, so that you right. can go ahead and do that. Otherwise, if you want to make major changes, if you want to make changes in in the structure of your home, uh, we are going to go through the permitting process, and you'll have to do that. That seems to me the perfect way to do it, and I don't know why they deviated from that. Bob, I, I don't understand that myself. Really, I, I didn't. You know, I, I follow it along. We watch, we listen, and try and understand. And, and I, it, it, it just baffles me, but there are people out there, there's a wonderful group of, of uh, people that are um, 
that are working on this, and these are our, these are our architects and um, and uh, builders um, that are saying, look, this is what's going to happen if you do it this way. Give us a chance to present to you, okay, the way that we see that this should go, and then somewhere in there you'll find a compromise, okay. Um, Council might have some good points, all right, and but I, I would listen to the people that do the building for us, but they're worried about the same thing that you hear and we've been listening to forever, overgrowth, there's too much growth here, we have to stop the growth, uh, uh, and and the the small town character is being ruined. I mean, if I hear that, that term one more time, yeah. <laughs> I want to throw up. You know, and the city is is the city. I mean, there's just just no more room for growth. What they're doing is, of course, our people are tearing down old homes and building new homes, but there's just not there's not a lot of room for development left. My goodness! So what's the big deal? Exactly. I just, as I say, it's it's scare tactics. Period. Yeah. Plain and simple. And property rights. You know, that's another thing we haven't heard the word Bert Harris lately. But I guarantee you, if they pass some of this. Uh, what they're talking about, uh, we'll hear the name Bert Harris Act pop up uh, uh, faster, <laughs> faster than you can imagine. So we're just going to have to stay tuned on this and see what comes out of these meetings. But I can tell you that there are some people that are really fired up about this. They, look, it's not that they're against against doing things that are progressive and that will help everybody. But when you start taking your property values away um, and losing value for something that you think is the right thing to do, um, we haven't heard the last of it. Absolutely. So I'll keep you in the loop. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, take care. Have a good one. You Peace. as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow we've got some terrific guests, including William Yateman. He is a uh, senior legal, legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Also, Larry Bell is endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. And uh, I, I believe uh, Dr. Dean will be joining us as well. We are going to have another special guest as well. I'm hopeful to hear from uh, Erica Donalds to talk about charter schools as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. BobHarden at Hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you'll pass pass the word on to your friends and uh, encourage them to uh, listen in. Uh, that's one of the ways we can support our advertisers, and we couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>